All right. Well, I'm Connor Fergus, and welcome to Door to Door to the Top Floor, uh, the podcast about personal growth and development, where honestly, we're just trying to get better every day. Um, but I'd like to welcome my guest, uh, Mr. Will Z. Tidwell. What's up, man? Hey, my guy. What's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, I'm glad to finally connect with you. It's pretty crazy that it's almost the end of March. We've been in this pandemic for a year. A year, brother. What's your what's your COVID story? I mean, obviously you're in a different part of the country. Um, what's what's what happened to you from March until I guess now? Um, you know, I think I kind of had the reaction everybody had, bro. I think it was kind of like, oh, it'll blow over. You know, a couple of weeks. Yeah, right? a couple of weeks. We'll 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 stay inside for a week or two, and then we'll be back in. <clears throat> and this is how I knew. You know, I thought it wasn't a big deal because um, my, one of my main fields I work in is community outreach. Um. Uh, and, and, you know, so that we were in the middle of building out a, uh, a 10 week youth program where we were teaching the kids um, entrepreneurship and the arts here. OK, and, uh, we were literally, bro, in the middle of a meeting inside of my facility at the time with my team having, a, you know, just a strategy meeting on how we're going to do certain things for the 10 mm-hmm. weeks. And uh, one of the, one of my close partners that I work with closely, she walked in the room. and She said, have you not heard what the governor said? And I was like, what did he say? And she was like. Um, we're moving into phase two or three at the time. And it was like, no, you know, no people over, I think eight people in a building or something like that. And we were preparing yeah. to have 60 kids, right? 45, 60 kids, something like that. And so, you know, I'm like, oh, what did I blow over? I'm still trying to be positive, right? And yeah. she pretty much shut it down, let me know, like it was just a no-go, man. And, you know, we lost a we lost a great amount of money um, from yeah. that. Because that was going to bring a big chunk of change in for us and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, it hit hard, man. But but like you know, like I'm sure you've heard and your audience has heard plenty of times, you know, the best entrepreneurs and the best leaders are the ones that can take that punch in the mouth and then you sit down and you figure out how to pivot, you know. So for me it was figuring out how to okay, how do we still do what we do, you know, in the midst yeah. of this strategy right now. So, you know, that that's my story, man. And it, it you know, I, I learned a great deal from it, brother. I bet. Yeah. I think uh I mean COVID has kind of forced you to do a lot of things differently and even like I've never spent this much time at home I've never really sat in front of a computer this much in my life so many different things like for me I was doing direct sales face to face I was doing door to door like leading these big teams and obviously there's no face to face especially in California we were hit pretty hard um, and we shut down everything um, all business closed and I had like a job that I couldn't really do I quit my job I got into this podcast thing and everything's kind of been an adventure since then, but yeah, definitely COVID has really forced me to grow. Um, but just to give our, my audience a little background. So I met Z virtually um, online. Yeah. He had, uh, it was kind of on accident to be honest. Z, uh, you know, I think your the podcast episode was called believe in you, right? The one that, that got connected. Yeah. I had watched it on YouTube, but um, I followed this page called Wealth and Z kind of went viral from there. There's like a hundred, like 250,000 follows. Like there's, they have like 3 million followers. Um, have you ever went viral like that before? To be honest with you, bro, not like that. Um, you know, I mean, I've done, you know, I've done some numbers, but not like that, bro. Um, and, and it was so crazy. It was actually originally another page, uh, say less lifestyle. Shout out to those young guys and they young cats, bro. They're like 20. Yeah. Um, and you know TikTok, the reach on on TikTok is crazy. The organic crazy. reach is crazy, bro. And so you know, if you're listening to this, you need to be on there. You know, and um, it's so crazy. That video that that went crazy is a year old. I put oh that, really? I, 
that episode a year ago, right? And the people that say less that I mentioned, they started their company a year ago. And um, their, their whole page is kind of like wealth. They're just posting motivating information. You know what I mean? Yeah. Educate people, that type of thing on, the, on their page. And they saw it first on their For You page. And um, they posted it and it went viral on their page first. I think we'll start from there. And, um, you know, both of those guys have, like like you said, over 2 million followers, bro. And it just blew up from there. So, like, I, I've never had that type of um, attention drawn to me. Like, I'm, you know, I'm used to my local down south yeah. love, right, yeah. where I am. But, like, I'm getting love from everywhere, bro, from Australia, yeah. from Cali, from Toronto. Like, it's crazy, bro. It's, it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah, that's so cool. I I, I just, you know, I, when I was uh, getting ready to do this episode, I was talking to like buddies and I was like, man, I'm having this guy on the podcast next week. I'm really excited. Yeah. Uh, but it's crazy. Like when I, when you messaged me and was like, Hey, thanks so much for resharing. I was like, Oh, like, this is the guy, this is the man behind the post. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we connected and, you know, there was a lot of things. Um, I listened to a bunch of your content, did my homework. Um, and there was a lot of things that really resonated with me and kind of some stuff I wanted to dig into with you. But before we get into that, <clears throat> what what is it about creating content that that you like? Like, why do you create content? Um, you know what, bro? And I never really tell this story because I feel like sometimes people kind of deadbeat this type, this type of story to make people feel sorry for them. And sometimes I feel like people maybe even be lying or and sometimes it just becomes cliche. But a lot of people don't know this about me, and some people do. Um, when I was 17 years old, my parents, I, I come from a two-parent background, so I'm not one of those guys that try to stunt like I came from this struggle. Um, I had a great lifestyle, you know, growing up, you know, two-parent home, you know, night house, never really wanted for anything. But then everything changed. My parents separated, and I became homeless for a while, right? Um, just kind of couch surfing and, you know, sleeping in my car and stealing it, that type of thing. And, right. uh, you know, it went from me playing sports to not having sports anymore because I lost my scholarship due to having to help my mom figure her, get on back on her feet, right? Right. And um, I was in a really dark space, bro. And I remember right before I graduated from high school, I graduated at 17, I used to be in this poetry club. Like, so every day during lunch, I would go to this, you know, class and it was other poets and creatives in there. And some reason I just gravitated to it, you know, but I never paid much mind because I was playing sports, right? right? But once I graduated, I needed some way to just express myself get that stuff off my mind that i was dealing with of, of the situation i was going through at the time and so i just found a piece of paper and a pen and a notebook man and i just started writing you know and just started kind of just putting my feelings down on paper and then it went for me putting it on paper and, and sharing it maybe with one of my partners one of my homeboys to right. recording it right and then i said maybe you know forget it i'm gonna post it can we cuss on here yeah yeah do, do what okay. you do so, so i was like sure. I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna post it right and so right. i remember the first time i posted it man it just you know, they got a lot of love, you know, not like, not like the love we talk about this video, but it got some decent, nice, you know, attention, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it just felt good um, to, to get that weight off my shoulders. And what I noticed is that when I was creating that content, not only was it helping me, but I was helping so many other people. Um, yeah. I was inspiring so many other people that was going through the exact same story. But <laughs> we think we so different a lot of the time, but we think people don't understand us. We think people aren't dealing with the same struggles. Yeah, it might not look the exact same, but we're feeling the same things, right? Yeah. And when I realized how, how powerful and impactful my words could be for people, that I could save people from certain things and help people through things and educate people, um, I just haven't turned back, bro. I just have, I just been creating yeah. ever since. Literally. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I can definitely resonate with that. I, I think, uh, was it, this is episode 42, a couple of episodes of, 
ago. I, I lost my father at 14 and it was oh. a little different story, but kind of the same thing happened to me where like I was doing playing sports my whole life. Like everything, life was good. Then my dad died, the main figure in the house, the role model. And like my whole kind of world changed. Um, and a lot of people go through those things and um, you know, it's been 14 years for me. Um, but I, uh, I got on an episode and I talked about it and I had never had so many people reach out to me and say, man, like, I'm so thankful that you posted that because not many people are really that vulnerable to put themselves out there and just really speak the truth. Um, But I know a lot of people also, and and people in my close circle too, that want to do content, you know, that they want to speak these, these good things, but they're scared or nervous or what what advice would you give to people that, you know, maybe they want to do content. They're just a little nervous about it. Um, I think you have to just find out what was what you're most comfortable with, uh, the the best way that you communicate, right? I think it, I think it starts to being just real, real honest with yourself, you know. Because sometimes what happens is that we'll see, like for instance, if somebody that didn't know me saw that video and they saw it blew up, they would think that oh man, I gotta make video content in order for me to 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 gain a following or to be supported. And that's not the case because if you're not comfortable speaking on video, if you don't feel like you articulate your words, you know, very well, because what people don't understand is that yeah, you saw that video. But like I just mentioned to you, I've been doing this for seven years, bro. And if I showed you my videos from from year one, I really sucked. But I just didn't stop doing it. I was posting a video, bro, like every day, every week I was posting something. You know what I mean? Um, so I would say just figure out your best way that you communicate. If you write well, write. If you um, if you are comfortable behind the scenes doing a podcast and you don't want to do the, the, the visual to it, just do that and put the audio out. Right. You know, with a dope picture behind it, right? I think yeah. just figuring out the best way that you communicate and just practice, 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 practice. Yeah. Um, you know, and luckily for me, I'm just blessed enough to have that triple threat where I can write, I can speak, yeah. um, I can do the podcast, you know yeah. what I mean? But so if you can do that, do that. Well, I want to get to know you a little bit more. So um, so you're from Little Rock, Arkansas. And uh, like I said to you kind of before we started, I never... I've never been out there. Um, I've been kind of touched through it. I drove through it once from Cali. But what's it like growing up in, in Little Rock, man? Talk to me about that. Um, it's one of those places where it's like, it's bigger than a lot of those super, super small places. You know, there are small places even smaller than the Little Rock, but like, it's one of those places where pretty much everybody knows everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um um, you know, real deep down Southern tradition, you know, very, man, some very dope creatives here, bro. Um, and I think sometimes because we're a smaller place, a lot of people don't realize that, but there are some amazing people here in my city, man. Um, that yeah. just doing dope stuff, you know, just like me. Right. And, yeah. um, but, but a lot of people don't, you know, see the other side of it, that this can be a very, uh, dangerous place to grow up to, you know, people yeah. don't get that. Um, so I was always that cat, bro, that tried to just like, I grew up in the hood, but I wasn't a hood guy, right? Mm-hmm. I never tried to portray that because I just saw how early and young people, my friends were, were dying and going to jail and, you know, yeah. you know, that type of thing. I just didn't want to be that guy. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Am I going to sit up here and line? Say, I always wanted to do what I'm doing, but I knew I didn't want to go down that path, you know? Um, so, so like I said, it can be a really dope place to be. I love, you know, I'm, I, I'm proud of where I'm from, but you know, you got to be careful, you know, and you, yeah. you got to your head is on straight enough. Sure. Can do it. Sure. If you can make it out of Little Rock, bro, you can make it out of anywhere. I'll put it like that. So it's a, it's a pretty cool place, man. So why haven't you left? Um, Because I feel like I have a lot of work left to do. Um, I feel like I'm in the process now of just really building out that foundation uh, to where, you know, pretty much when my company's here on like autopilot, I can, 
you know, had the freedom to go and travel and, and you know, stay at other places, you know, like Cali and Texas and things like that for longer periods of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I can stay in those places for longer periods of time and know that my businesses are running and knowing yeah. that the, the, the social impact that I made in my city is ongoing. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people look to, to help, you know, work with the homeless. A lot of people look for me to create these different community initiatives and, um, you know, and come over, you know, uh, unique ideas just for our city in general. So I just got to have a lot of foundation left to lay. And then once I feel like it's in a, a place again where it's automated and I can kind of work from wherever I am, it's still running, then um, then I can pretty much kind of up and go. But I think I'm going to always have a house here because yeah. my daughter, she, she's super young. She's two. Um, just turned two yesterday, so happy birthday! Hey, happy birthday! Yeah, yeah, she just turned two yesterday, so she's super awesome. young still. So she's a big reason for me staying. And my mom, um, you know, she's getting older, so I'm having to stay where and help her a lot. So I think those those three main things are the reason. So I, even when I do get to that point, bro, I'm always gonna have a home here. So if I want to come back and stay for weeks at a time or whatever, I can, you know. Yeah. So. That's that's the goal, man. But yeah, I just I just feel like I have a lot of work left to do in the city, man. Yeah, yeah, I can resonate with that. I I definitely yeah. can never see myself leaving my hometown full time because um, yeah. I've been in the military and then I came back. I went to Hawaii and went to high school and then I came back. It's like <laughs> home is always home and it'll never yeah, change. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, man. Because I mean, like you said, it's just you know, beside those couple of rough you know bumps in the road, I'm sure like every city has. I love it, bro. You know, and I feel like it has a lot of potential. I feel like it can I can be one of those. Uh, you know, pioneers that can really bring some cool things to our city to where uh, hopefully eventually Little Rock can become an attraction, you yeah. know, like in Austin, Texas, like a Frisco, Texas, that type of thing. I feel like we can yeah. have that potential to reach that. And then we have a first black mayor right now, which is a cool friend of mine. So I feel like those type of connections and, and friendships and things like that, putting our heads together, we can make this a, 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 you know, a place where it's like Little Rock versus, man, I'm going to Little Rock for the weekend. Yeah, you know? yeah. I want to be one of those guys that help that make it that attraction yeah that's beautiful man that's beautiful yeah. always trying to give back and and grow your city right that's what absolutely. made you absolutely brother i love that and um so i heard an interview a couple of weeks ago um of you i can't remember the podcast i have it written down later on uh, but you were talking about kind of the story that you told earlier where at 16 17 you know you, you kind of went through that struggle um, and you're really you going did, through you it. Your, you did your homework, bro. I did my homework, man. I, I didn't come here to mess around with you. I respect uh, that, bro. I respect that. Yeah, but you, um, you, you stumbled across this purpose, and and what you're saying is is this kind of public speaking, and this not and this uh, sharing your story and, and kind of, you know that that whole concept. Can you talk to me a little bit about you know the discovery process of you being like, okay, this is what I was meant to do. Tell me about that. Um. You know, it's funny, bro, and I, not to get religious or anything, but it's like, I, I, I'm, I'm big on my, I'm big on faith. Uh, yeah. The older you get, I mean, all throughout your life, it's like God will send like little signals to you of what you're supposed to be doing. But sometimes we don't notice it and sometimes we don't want to accept it because we're so hell-bent on what we want that we really don't even realize that he's trying to give us what we need, right? Because... I, I solely believe in this bro. I said or something that my favorite speaker, Miles Monroe, said. He said that when you were born, there was something that God put on the inside of you. And he put it on the inside of you so that when you were put into this world, you could give what you were what you were put on the inside of you with to the world. Because that's what's gonna make the world a better place. That's what's gonna um, you know, the people realize their purpose, people realize the gift they have inside of them because of you. 
And um, since I was young, bro, I've always been in front of the spotlight speaking. I've always, I was the MC in my plays as a kid. I was the one doing public speaking, you know, in my, in, you know, I grew up actually at the Hope of Witness with my mother. I'm, I no longer practice that religion now. Okay. I, you know, on Sundays, I used to be the one giving presentations, right, and rock okay. the house. Um, you know, I used to do these different things, bro. I used to uh, try out for different plays and kill it. And, you know, but I was like, huh, that's, that's normal. That's nothing, right? Because I was so hell-bent on so hell bent on being in that space right but you know i went through that i went through that storm and i went through that tragedy and when we go through those times bro we don't understand why in the hell we had to go through it we don't we don't get why why would god make us make me feel that why would he make me go through this like why why, why would he even want to put me through that and i've been doing right right we we want we wanted those type of things and I didn't realize that he did that to me. He put me through that. So when I came out on the other side, I was truly able to say that I was walking in my purpose, that I was truly able to say that I was walking because he every way where I had no choice but to focus on this. I had no choice. He put my back to the wall so deep to where it's like, all right, no basketball for you, no sports for you, no, no girls for you, no extracurriculars for you, none of that. Focus on this. Get into your writing. Get into your gift. Get into telling this story. Practice your storytelling. Study, sit up all night and study Les Brown and study, um, you know, all of these great speakers. Study these guys. And, and and I did that, bro. Every night I would just sit up and watch these guys and study these guys and practice my stuff. And, um, yeah, man, it's, it's just funny. It's funny how he'll do that to you. He'll take everything else away, all your distractions. And we think that he's trying to hurt us or but we don't even know he's trying to help us. Right. Um, so, yeah, man, that that that's that story, bro. And, and it's I've been rolling with it ever since, man. It's, it's no, and it's crazy because the same feeling I used to get, you know, maybe you heard this in that interview, the same feeling I used to get when I had a great night for sports, like a 30 point game or hit right. a couple threes. I get that same feeling now when I speak. I get that same feeling now when we're doing this, bro. Yeah. I love it, you know? So um, he just took that passion that I have for this and he put it into something that where I can actually impact the world, um, you know, on a whole different level. So did that answer your question, bro? Yeah, no, it did. And um, just to kind of follow up on that, obviously, you know, it, it's, it's, I think hearing you say it and explain it, it sounds a lot easier than I'm sure it was. I'm sure it came with a ton of struggles, tons of adversity. Um, so many things I'm sure have happened to you from, you know, the time you were homeless um, to being a CEO, entrepreneur, business owner now. Talk to me about like, you know, at least maybe in, inside your mind, how you're kind of able to just continue to battle on and push through these struggles. It goes back to, it goes back to that. It goes back to that mindset of that when you were born, it was something put on the inside of you and it's not for you. You, you, you remember that every day. You remember that the moment that you decide that you want, if you may give up, that if you, um, if you, if you let the adversity win, if you, uh, um, if you let this hard time that you're dealing with temporarily, you know, over overbear you or whatever the case may be, think I think about how many people that I may be impacting long term that may never get the help that they need because I gave up that may never get this great service or product that I have because I gave up. Think about how many people you're impacting that you haven't even met yet. But see, because we can't see those people tangibly, because we can't, you know, because they ain't, they aren't telling us how they relied on us, we don't think about it that way. But I think about it that way. I think about how if I gave up now, I'm hurting this person that I'm supposed to help two years from now. 
You see what I'm saying? I'm, I think about it in that type of way. And, and, and that type of mindset keeps me going. Now I have a daughter, bro. Now I have, you know, and I work with kids every day that come from poverty. I work with these people that, you know, I work with less fortunate men and women that are in poverty. And, you know, those type of being around those type of motivations will motivate you. And if, and if that doesn't, then I don't know what will. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, bro, I, I have that type of mindset with it, bro. Like, you know, it's bigger than me. You know what I mean? And I'll give you a tangible example of that. Like, I remember, you know, like I told you, I'm in that community outreach space really tough. And I remember when I was like 18, you know, maybe 19, I was just kind of starting to get back on my feet um, a little bit, right? And I was like, man, I want to do a, uh, I want to do a backpack drive for the kids, right? I don't know where it came from. I just, <laughs> I was like, I just want to do it, right? And I did it, man. I raised like maybe, maybe a thousand bucks, right? Something like that in this crowdfunding, and um, I did it in my old neighborhood. You know, I did it in my old neighborhood, kind of like Nipsey. I wanted to get back in my neighborhood, food in my neighborhood where I grew up on the same block. And um, I did it, man. But I didn't understand the marketing behind it back then. I didn't understand the, the the forefront work you had to put in, not just raising money and buying stuff. Like, you got to actually spread the word and do that work. And I didn't understand that. And so, like, four kids came. And I was heartbroken. I'm like, I did all this and, you know, nobody came. And so I was like, but you know me, you know, I cried my few tears. I, I sat down and I was down on myself for a minute. And then um, I picked up those other 96 backpacks I had and I went door to door in the neighborhood and passed them out. Right. I went to other places and passed them out, you know, because I wasn't going to let that defeat me. Like I told you, because I knew it was somebody somewhere that needed it, especially coming from where I came from. I knew somebody needed that stuff. And I you should have seen the faces on those, you know, the faces on those different parents and those kids faces. Um and then I did it the next year. And then maybe, you know, I think maybe 150 kids came. Then we did it again and maybe like 400, right? Then we did it that fourth year, 1,200, 1,200, 1,500. City was packed out, bro. I had a, the parking lot where we had was a big community center. It was packed. And I had everybody like, oh, this dude is serious. It went from year one, everybody's looking at me like, oh, that's cute, right? That's cute. You want to do that? And they were making fun of me and laughing at me and all that stuff. But then when I packed out the city and now we've been served over 20,000 people up to this day, all crowdfunded, all money we've raised ourselves, no public funding. Um, people respected me a little more. But think about this, bro. The whole point is, what if I would have quit after year one? Think about how many kids I would have robbed in year four that needed these same resources, these same materials, all these great things that we gave out. Think about how many people I would have robbed. So I, when I had, when that happened to me, that also, that is the mindset I adopted from that point forward and I've never looked back. And so I think if more people looked at things that way, that is, is bigger than you, is deeper than you, um, that your gift is not for you, uh, then maybe they wouldn't so be so quick to give up on themselves. Yeah. So. I love that. Um, I'm going to have to re-listen to this and kind of register that. <laughs> um, but man, that's a really, the mouthful, man, no, that's a really cool story. Um, and it's, and it's funny. Yeah. It's like, yeah, if you were to look back and, and, you know, not make a different choice, everything could be different for you now. Everything could be so different, bro. I don't think I would be where I am today. Yeah. because because that's how really i built a platform for myself it's through my community outreach you know which led to me being able to have a platform to go speak because i built a resume around because now because you, obviously as you know as a speaker people want to know what have you done right. what have you what did you what have you done to grant to gain enough credibility to come speak to my children to come speak to this crowd right what have you done because a lot of people want to be a speaker but they've never built anything they've never done anything you right. know and i was doing other things too i was still writing and owned that company too but like you know, that was really what kind of put me on a pedestal is like, I actually know how to build something on a bigger scale. Cause I think we raised like, you know, 
10, 12,000 bucks. And, you know, we, I structured it really well. So it was like, oh, he, he, you know, for to be so young and be 20, he did pretty good, right? So, yeah, I don't think I would be where I am today without that, bro. I love that. Well, kind of a similar question, a little bit different. This is more just for me, and I'm sure there's other people like me that have the same question. So obviously, you, you, you know, you kind of you fell into this purpose, and and you've been running with it ever since. Right. Um, I guess something I've been struggling with, and and maybe some of my listeners have as well, is you know, I really want that too, and I don't know what it is for me, and I don't know really what necessarily my purpose is, and I, and I have some ideas and stuff like that, but I don't know for sure. How do you how do you kind of find that or how do you discover that? Like what was what was some advice you would have for me to to try to figure out what my true purpose is or or what what my quote unquote my why is? I, I love giving examples because I think it makes it real thing like analogy makes it really relevant, right? Um I know you're in Cali, so you guys might not have this, but do you have like a Sam's, a Sam's Club out there? Exactly, what it is. yeah, Sam's Club. Right, right. So like, you ever remember? And I don't know if they still do this or not. Probably not with COVID, but like before COVID, you remember on Sundays, bro, when you used to go in there. I, because my dad owns a owns a barbershop. Um, okay. So every Sunday, I used to go with him in there, and he would shop for his shop to get snacks and you know toiletry stuff like that for the shop. Right. So every Sunday I would go, and I loved it because they used to have all the free samples that they passed out. Yeah, right. Like Costco is over Costco, here. Costco, exactly. Where they used to have the whatever they were selling in the freezer you could get a sample of it, which would lead you to go get the big bag of it in the freezer, right? Exactly. So like, as a kid, I used to first think, well, I don't like that, I, but I, I don't like that. I don't, that don't look good, right? I don't, I don't want that, but I've never even had it. And so for me, I got into that mindset, well, I'm at least try it. I'm at least taste it, right? And I start discovering, even though I never had it before, it may have looked disgusting. I heard it was disgusting, but when I tried it, I loved it. And I think it's the same thing with discovering your purpose, bro. A lot of people, you know, just like when I was that, that guy that downed poetry at one point because I, I was so big on sports, a lot of people see things that they haven't even tried because either they're afraid of it, they think that they're not going to be good at it, they think that it's, you know, that it's going to be boring or whatever the case may be, and that they don't even give it a try. They don't even know that they might taste it and be like, oh, shit, I want some more of that. Right. And so and I think it's the same thing with finding your purpose, bro. I think you just have to taste and try enough things. I think that, you know, you have to think about what it is that you love doing in your past time. And then the, I think the real struggle is not so much that people can't find their purpose, bro, is that they know what they like to do, but they can't figure out how to monetize it. Yeah. They can't figure out how to make a living off of it. If yeah. that makes sense. See what I'm saying? I think that's the true disconnect for most people because for a long time I was the same way. I'm like, I love to write. But back in 2016, how the hell was I going to make a living off of that, right? I love to, I love to talk, but how the hell am I going to make a living off of that? But then I start doing my research. I start, um, you know, being around those type of people that could help me develop it. And um, now I have one. Of, now I have a really big ghostwriting company where I write for authors and I write for business plans for, you know, for different entrepreneurs and things of that nature. And like you said, I'm speaking to the youth and um you know i love giving back like how do i profit from that not because i'm trying to be so rich from giving back to people but i still have to live i have to feed my daughter right um so i figured out how to build you know different companies around where we can still make money but i can still give back too so i think that's the, the true part that people are scared of is that they love to um they love to 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 knit they love to i don't know um you know, so many unique things that creatives out here love to do. They love to dress and all of these different things, but they like, but how do I make money off of it? And and that part is what a lot of people can't get past. So because they can't figure that out, 
they figure out they feel like that can't be their purpose and i just feel like that's not true yeah you, you know do research I mean? and, and continue to dig 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 and, and there's ways around it absolutely and, and then you just and then you just continue to like so for me what i would do if i was you so for instance if i say okay i love writing i'm putting it at the top of my paper i'm researching all of the different possible things that people do in that field of writing ghostwriting um you know obviously being an author right you might write curriculum for people all of these different things and then you just put all of your options and you go through and you circle through and see what you like if i love to do fashion i'm going to see all of the different different types of titles that are in the fashion world what can i do if i love to talk i'm gonna what are all my options i can do a podcast i can do speaking i can do poverty consulting like you know what i mean i feel like you just have to really do your homework like you said um, right. And then figure out all of your different options and you go through and circle what fits best for you. That was something I literally had to do. Yes. Um, and then I figured out how to build a business around it, you know? Yes. Yeah. So I, I, absolutely. You know what I mean? I, I think that's the real disconnect. So, you know, I hope that helps, you know, you yeah, everybody else too. It definitely helps. And I definitely um, agree with the the kind of, you found what it is, but getting to learn how to m- turn it to a profitable, you know, a way to monetize it is, is kind of the struggle there. And that's something yeah. that I'm learning and I'm researching now, but, um, but I appreciate the answer and Absolutely. definitely something I need to dig a little deeper in. Absolutely, bro. And we could talk always offline, bro, about, you know, just what you're working on and what you're passionate about. And we can just bounce ideas off each other, bro. Yeah. You know, figure out how to do it. So, you know, you got my number. I'll make sure you have my number. My, uh, uh, both my numbers after this and we can always you know chop it up on facetime or something. yeah yeah i would love it well Absolutely. so how long is how long has speak up z been in business um speak up z started in this 2021 i booked it i officially put it on in a ll i officially filed for my llc in 2016 okay so like, so five so years. That, was, that was that period right when i was getting back on my feet i graduated high school in 2014 okay and then that's when that big, you know, that situation happened. Um, and it took me about a year and some change to get back on my feet. And then um, that whole time I was writing and speaking and, you know, just doing videos and stuff like that. And I was in that process, like you said, of just figuring out how, okay, I like this, but I really wasn't giving it much time because I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to make money from it. So I was just working right. at Walmart. Um, and then when I finally kind of start to figure it out, I got my first speaking engagement right in into 2015, um, you know, I was starting to do like some ghostwriting for people on a simpler level. Uh, yeah, I was like, oh, this give me a business. And then I went and filed for, for LLC. Because <laughs> yeah. okay. Arkansas was only 50 bucks. So 2014 to now, so that's what, like seven years? Seven years, roughly, yeah. Right, so that's how long you've been on this kind of entrepreneur route. What's yeah. the hardest part of being an entrepreneur? It's a hard question, big question, but. Big question. Because um, it's a lot of shit that's hard. Um, or some of the hardest things, we'll say. Okay. I think one of the, I think one of the hardest things is, especially starting out, is believing, it's kind of like the video that we talked about in the video, in the video that, you know, that connected us, is believing in yourself when nobody else does. It sounds so cliche. It sounds like it's so simple, like, ah, yeah, that's true. But think about that, bro. Think about, especially if you're surrounded by negative people, family, sometimes and especially because they're our family and our mom and our dads because i come from that i come from a negative family where like yeah i came from a good background as far as having two parents but they they come from a working class they come from putting in 30 40 years of, of working the same job and, and then retiring and having a full one they believe in that right but this is a totally different generation with us now yeah. and you know i think it's very hard when you say 
think about how crazy I sounded back then coming out of high school saying I wasn't going to college or I didn't want to go to college. I went to college, but I was so unhappy. You know what I mean? Which I was so, so trying to make other people happy, trying to please my mom so she can go brag to her friends about my baby's at this school and he's majoring in this. When I would talk to these guys and I would ask them like, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? 90% of them would, would not even know. Right. And I would ask you, you know, you know, what do you want to do? And they, they'd be like, bro, be honest with you, I just did this on so my mom and get off my back. Like, like a lot, and, and you know what I mean? We would, they would sit up all day. We were just smoking weed and we'll go eat and we'll just, they would just wait for the weekend to party. Right. You know, so they were so hell bent on just trying to make other people happy and please other people and that thing, you know, just to get them off their back when they really may have a true passion to go start a company, to go, you know, learn a trade. That's what they really wanted to do, but they were afraid to say it because they knew their parents were going to judge them because. At back then, you know, success looked like graduating from high school, going to college. That's what success looked like for a lot of people. Yeah. And now we're in a pandemic and college has lost its value more and more every day. And I'm, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, against college. If you want to be go to college, do that. If you're going to be a doctor, lawyer, nurse, all that, of course, you got to go to college and get the proper training. But I think if you want to be a fucking um, um, if you want to do fucking account, I mean, no, because you need that too. But if you want to do something that you feel like you can do without it, then don't just do that to please other people. I'll put it like that. Yeah. But the hardest part, bro, is having something you want to do, having a dream and sharing it with people that don't have the same faith in you like you have in yourself. And sometimes you have to realize that the only person that's going to have faith in you is you. And that's a very lonely place to be. Because sometimes the the thoughts that other people of because it'll go like this. I'll tell my mom. It's cr- think about how crazy I sounded five years ago saying, "Mom, I want to uh, speak for a living. I love giving back to the homeless." She's like, "Boy, you gonna be homeless, yeah. right? Like you gonna be back in that situation again? How you how you gonna make money from that? How you gonna make enough money to 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 do that and live for yourself, right? So that so imagine how crazy I sound. You need to go to college." You sure you don't want to go back to school? Like that type of question she used to ask me. And then I used to sit there and be like, shit, do I? I'm like, no, I don't. Because when I was there, I was miserable, right? So it's like you have those conversations with yourself and then you leave our house and you driving and you like, man, what the fuck am I going to do? Is this going to work? Um, You know, how am I going to make money? I don't know. But I know I don't want to work for nobody else for the rest of my life. I knew that, bro, but I just didn't know how to do it. So it's like, you got to have a vision to see it even when it's not there yet. That's a very difficult thing to do. But I feel like if you can just have that confidence enough to believe in yourself and when you can find just one person that has that same confidence in you, um, I think you can win. I think, but I'll I'll just stick with that one thing and say that's the hardest thing because that's the hump that a lot of people can't get over. That's the the biggest barrier that I think a lot of people face. And, And then the other thing is getting out of that mindset of having the perfect place to start instead right. of just starting just yeah start just start bro because if you just start and you just push stuff out there even if it don't look good like i said if i showed you my, my marketing and my stuff from six years ago that shit was trash but it's like i started right i started and i built the platform and and i went and every year every week every month i went back and i looked and said okay let's do this this is terrible let's take this out and do it better and i just learned as i went um you know I, I, and i studied other people that were doing it really well and um you know, now we're here. And I'm and like, even now, I'm sure I got some stuff I'm going to look back on two years from now and be like, this was trash, but you know, yeah. I'm doing it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think I, I would leave with those two things, bro, is you having faith in yourself when nobody else does, which is a very difficult thing to do because you start questioning yourself and stop making the excuse that you have to have it all figured out in order to start and just start. I think those are the two most difficult things for most people. And yeah. that's what keeps them from their dreams and their goals. Yeah.
you talked a lot about, you know, other like kind of the the negativity coming from others, haters, doubters. How do you deal with that specifically? Um, to be honest with you, bro, um, and this internet could be a very wicked place um, if you allow it to be, you know. So, so first of all, I try to limit as much negativity that I put in my life and on my feed as possible. So, I'm I started to notice who I was following. When I woke up in the morning, because a lot of people try to like judge you and say, don't get on your phone first thing in the morning. And I'm like, well, I, I would agree with that if all I follow was negative people and all I follow was, you know, a bunch of women just have, have you know, have clothes. I'm not against that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, you make money the way you want to make money. I'm not doubting you or judging you or anything like that. No, but I'm saying that I had to be more mindful of that because I used to follow a whole lot of women that were, you know, doing that. I used to follow a whole lot of dudes that were just smoking and drinking and kicking it all the time. And I was becoming that guy. And so when I started to become more mindful of what I was, you know, consuming, because they, like they say, the diet is not just what you eat, it's what you see, it's what you're hearing, all of those great things, right? When I started to be more mindful of that, um, you start to kind of just block out the noise, bro. And, I, and I'm not going to sit here and lie like it's easy, but it starts there, I think. Just being mindful of who you're surrounding yourself with, what you're surrounding yourself with. And if those random, you know, internet thugs come out of the work works, you know, trying to judge you and all of those things, or even like you said, your family and all those guys may judge you, you know, you, you be respectful. Um, you take heed to what they're saying, you let them know that you hear them, and then you move on with your life. And you and you and you know in the back of your mind, fuck all that. This is what I'm doing, right? And, and you just have to be strong will enough to say, you know. Even though you're judging me, even though you're talking shit about me, even though you don't think it's going to work, I believe it's going to work, you know, and, and, and that's not an easy thing to do, bro. But um, just being mindful, I think, just really being mindful and really understanding, like, you know, if you believe it's going to work, that's all you need, you know, and um, that's really how I deal with it, bro. I, like, if my mom wants to be negative or, you know, you know, one of my partners want to be negative, I might just, just laugh and say, bro, I love you, bro. And I'll move on to conversation. You know what I mean? Or I might just, you know, just be like, you know, I might even give them, I might play devil advocate and say, why do you think it's not going to work? Or what or, or what could I do differently then? Yeah, I might, I might put it in the ball in their court and yeah. ask them, you know what I mean? I might be negative and say, okay, you're right. It ain't going to work. Why not? And then they'll be like, and then they really don't know. Yeah. And then they'll realize that they've been consumed by negativity so long, right? They've been around you know, negative people and negative things. And, and maybe they did something that didn't work for them. So they'll try to project that onto you. And you will realize that it's not you. It's not your dream that's not going to work. It's that something is going on with them. Mm -hmm. And so you realize for them, you don't get mad at those people. You don't hate those people. You really, you have compassion for those people because you realize, man, you're dealing with something. You're dealing with something dark enough to where you feel like you had to, to crush my dreams because of what you tried to do didn't work. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I don't get mad at those people or hate on those people. I pray for those people. Or I laugh for those. I laugh at those people, and I and I and I let them know, like, you know, thank you for that. But I, I got it, you know. So yeah. I kind of had that mindset towards it, bro. I love that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people speak from their own negativity, and I think yeah, that absolutely. And then, and sometimes they don't even realize they're doing it. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. Like for my mom, she's been married to my my dad, who was. You know, I love him to death. He's super toxic. She's been with him for 40 years. All she knows is him. So she's around toxicity for, for 40 something years. 
she can't help but to be toxic, bro. Mm-hmm. So I don't tell her much. I don't tell her many, many things about my dreams when I'm with her or what I'm planning on doing because she'd be like, well, what if this happens? And I'd be like, shit, I didn't even think about that. Mom, leave me alone. Like, Let me do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and that's just really how it happens. And, and I always said, I actually, I said this in a video not too long ago. I said, if a person can find it in their day find the time to say something hurtful to you or, you know, um, you know, say something negative to you, say something out of pocket to you to try to hurt you, imagine what they must be dealing with that yeah. they don't talk about. That they imagine what type of hurt they must be dealing with that they felt like it was necessary enough to do that to you. You don't, you don't, you don't hate those people. You pray for those people, bro. You don't do that because it's like they dealing with something dark and they may never admit it, but they are. You know what I mean? They they dealing with something, bro. They hurt. And like you said, we like we all know, hurt people hurt people, man. And um, the last thing we need is another hurt person hurting somebody. So I don't I don't move on and react with hate. I try to just I try to love them, bro, because. They need some, they need that apparently, you know? So yeah. I, I try to have that mindset towards it. I love that. I love that. So in terms of your, uh, your public speaking, where did this skill set come from? Um, man, to be honest with you, bro, I think I just always talked a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I think I just always talked a lot. I just wouldn't shut the hell up, man. I just, I stayed in trouble in school for talking too much. Um, I, I, man, I was never a disrespectful kid, bro. I just, I just, you know, talk too much couldn't focus adhd just couldn't stay on one task for too long and um like i told you bro mom and because of my mom making me grow up in that religion of being a jehovah witness um we used to have this thing we have a certain like meeting with our congregation during the week of all the people and uh we used to have this thing where you do like different readings out of the bible and stuff like that so you know even though I don't practice religion anymore, I would never down it or anything because I feel like it kind of molded me in a way at a young age. So when I used to have to do these readings, my mom would make me sit at the desk with her for like hours, bro, like hours, 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 and just practice it until I got it right. Because I, because you know, when you're reading, she wanted me to make sure that I was reading when it was time for a big, a big finish that I did it properly. That it, when when I needed to slow down and enunciate and make people feel the word she made me do that really well so now when i speak i'm very mindful of who i'm speaking to i'm very mindful of when i need to go high and when i need to go low when i need to you know project I, i'm very mindful of all those things now um because it, people think you can just get up and talk now it's an art to this you know Definitely. And, I, and, she was just, and again like i talked about earlier it's crazy how god will give you those splashes of your purpose at a young age so those those late nights at the desk when my mom used to piss me off when I'm seven, eight, nine years old because she's making me sit there for hours reading the same thing over and over again. It was molding me. And so I think that that plays a huge part in me being able to speak the way I speak. Uh, that, and then like I said, just, you know, I used to, told you, bro, I used to make a video every day. I used to make a video every day for like two years straight. Uh, I just get in front of my phone and just record, you know, yeah. recording watching my body language and i have to do it over and over again that helped a whole a, a great deal so just repetition bro repetitions and, and putting in that time that i didn't even realize that i was you know what it was doing for me at the time but mm-hmm. i think that that plays a great part of me being able to speak it that i am okay yep. now i'm going to rewind kind of the opposite way <clears throat> what about uh you got any horror stories any has there been any like speaking experiences where just things didn't go well uh well speaking yeah Hell yeah! What? I'll be sitting here lying, bro. If I said that I didn't, man. What? Let me tell you. I'm, I, which one you want? Um, let me hear a fun one. <laughs> let me let me give one. you. Um, man, let me think. All right, I remember one. 
uh, first time I ever spoke publicly, I tell you that one first. I spoke at a college. I spoke at Henderson State, which is here in Arkansas, a uh, small state school down in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. Um, it was actually one of my friends. She put me on because she knew I was trying to get my feet wet, right. doing it. Um, and I got up there, bro. And I didn't understand how when you speak, if you're gonna have notes, this is so. Listen, to this people, if, you, if you're trying to get into the speaking game or you're just starting, if you want to have notes, do not write out your full speech. Do not write out all of your, your exact words because what you're going to do is you're going to get up there and you're going to usually literally use it as a crutch yeah. because I got when I got up there, bro, I got up there and I was reading it like almost verbatim because I was like so nervous. My hands were sweating. My knees were buckling um, and everybody was just staring at me with a blank stare, yeah. right? I was, I was scared as shit. I was about to shit on myself, right? Yeah. And it was like, I knew what I was supposed to say but because I was so nervous, I couldn't focus. I just kept reading off the paper verbatim, which was, as you know, it was very boring. It was very monotone. Um, it was very, it was very, it was terrible. Um, it was terrible, bro. And it got so bad where I could feel how boring I was making everybody to where I just walked off. I just, I literally just stopped talking oh. and I went to sound. <laughs> I was like, you know, oh, let's, let's just wrap this up. You know, I was like, I don't want to do anymore. It was bad. And, um, you know, the, the, my, like I said, my friend that was over the event, she literally had to run up there and was like, okay, moving on. And I was like, this is terrible. Like, it was bad, bro. And yeah. so um, that was where I started learning my first lesson that if you're going to have notes, you need to just have bullets and an outline. So all you got to do is be able to look at that point and you know, okay, this is what I'm talking about. And now I walk away from the paper and now I can do my thing. So right. I learned that lesson very young, bro. Um, that was probably the most terrible. And then another one, I got up there. And I was supposed to, and I was speaking. I was so pumped. I had practiced it. I knew it. I thought I did, right? I thought I did. <laughs> and I got up there and mine just went blank, bro. Like mm -hmm. I couldn't, I just like, I don't know what happened. Um, And I, and the same thing. I don't know about, I don't know why I got a bad habit of this. I just go sit down. I just got down. And I said, I just went to sit down. I didn't say anything. And people were looking like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, is he all right? Like, was he, did he, you know, like what happened, you know? And, I just I and they and I say y'all know what y'all can keep the check. I don't even want the money because I know I didn't do this well. Right. Um, I didn't even say anything, <laughs> and I just went home, man. And I beat myself up for a long time, bro. And then that's and see times like that, bro, is when those thoughts of what other people said that didn't believe in you creeps into your mind. You can't do it. Like you can't make it. Mm -hmm. right. You sure you don't want to go back to college? Yeah. You sure you don't want to? You sure you don't want to go get a job? You sure? Like those times when you fuck up like that so terribly is when is when that type of stuff start to creep in. Yeah. And then so what I did is when that's when I really locked in after that, that second time, because that started pissing me off. Like I know I'm better than this, right? So I started really locking in, studying the greats. Like I, I used to study Les Brown for like a year straight, bro. I, it got to the point where I would mute the video and just watch his hand movements, just watch his demeanor. I used to watch how he'll open it up with a super, like super grabbing, because Les Brown would say something super, um, you know, something that would just grab your attention and he'll right. go with the story. Then I would watch how he transitioned from this point to the next point. I watched all of that, bro. I used to study that crap. And, and, and when I started really breaking it down like that and taking notes on it and watching it over and over again, I went and did one for a church one time and I murdered it. I murdered it, bro. And I never looked back. I never look back, man. I love that. Yeah. The good and the bad, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, brother. And, 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 you know, you, you, you just, again, 
that I think, and I think that point you asked me earlier about what's so hard about entrepreneurship. That's why I said having faith in you when nobody else does, because you got to be able to do that with the good and the bad. Right. Yeah, that's 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 when it's hard to do when you fuck up and you fail, or you know you 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 know a customer bails on you, or a customer talks bad about you, and all of those things. When those type of things start happening, you got to still believe in it, bro. If you truly want it, you know. So I think that's where that type of stuff comes into handy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 hearing you speak, you have a lot of. You're, I can definitely tell you're extremely driven. You know, you're very purposeful behind what you do. You're really self-confident. Like, where does that confidence and this belief in yourself come from? Is that something you've always had? Have you always kind of been pretty confident or is this something that you built over time? I was a real chubby kid, bro. I was a chubby kid, bro. So like, you always, I always had to be, I always had to be, I always had to stand up for myself. Yeah, I always had to stand up for myself. And then once people saw how cool I was, like they, you know, they, they fuck with me. And then they knew that I, I grew up in that part of town right there in the hood like i wasn't a hood guy like i said but i grew up right there so a lot of them knew me from there too so it was like oh he cool right and they just knew they weren't fit to fuck with me and just bully me and then like that so i always had to have that confidence because i had to keep people off my back you had to be able to join you had to be able to you had to be able to join and rose back right yeah um so i think a lot of that confidence and, and and that energy transcended from that into this you know what i'm saying yeah. um yeah, absolutely, bro. Because I was a chubby kid, bro, and I just I wasn't going like you weren't finna sit up and just talk about me and push on me every day. That's right. You know what I mean? Had me and going on me in front of everybody. You know, no hell no. So yeah. I was always on my toes, and, and you know that energy just kind of I think transcended into what I'm doing now, bro. I love that. Now, something I'm really big on, and maybe it's just because I'm a military guy and like the athlete and it just all blends together, but I'm huge into habits and routines. Like I'm constantly assessing my routine and like reevaluating it and I'm a little hard on myself about it, but I think all successful people are trying to push themselves. Absolutely. Give me a, give me a little glimpse of your morning routine. I mean, it's the morning now, at least for me. Uh, right. Oh, yeah, it's, it's 11th. Yeah, it's damn near noon here, but yeah, still technically. Yeah. So what's uh, your morning routine look like? It really, it really depends, bro. I'm a, I'm, I, I'll say this for, for the people listening to don't get so hell bit on other people's successful routine that you are afraid to make your own. Uh, again, again, I think it goes back to self-awareness. So for me, if I have a whole lot of work to do, right. Um, that really keeps me up late at night. I might step to work, you know, all throughout the night up until four or five in the morning. And then I might go sleep and wake up at 10 a.m. 11 a.m. and then go back and start my day and shower and work again. But I try to, you know, on a normal night, I try to be in bed, reasonable hour, um, and get up about 6, 6.30, something like that maybe, you know, in that range, maybe earlier, depending on how early I go to bed. If I'm super tired and I lay down early, I might wake up at 4 or 5 um, and get up, bro. I, I like to just listen to, like, maybe jazz music, man, or, you know, I try to put something motivational or something peaceful in my ears for those first 20, 30 minutes. Okay. Uh, it might be electronic, it might be Miles Monroe, might be, you know, whatever, whatever I want to put on. Sure. And um, once I kind of get that set in the mood, I'll start just kind of um, looking at what I need to do for the day as far as my tasks go. I don't do any work until about 10 a.m. I don't okay. do any work on a normal day until about 10 a.m. because my mind got to wake up and I got to get, you know, I got to get my mind right and all that type of stuff. Um, and then typically I just kind of, like I said, that peaceful part. I check my email type of thing. I reply to all my DMs. Like that's how I end up replying to you. I try to reply to everybody. I try to come reply to every comment uh, yeah. for the first, you know, first couple hours of the day. 
And then I go in right in, checking in with my team, making sure they're doing things as far as tasks and stuff goes, and, you know, make sure they're good. And then I jump into my work day, bro. And I work from about 10 till about um, at least at least 10, about 8, right? As far as, like, just out moving, working, right? Unless it's, like, one of them days I'm at home on the computer. And then, yeah, I just kind of settle down on that, man. So, so typically, uh, yeah, I get up, get my mind right, then I work for about 12, 13 hours a day, 14 hours a day. Love that. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a different routine. I'm just everybody's super different. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. super like military with mine. I like have a set. It's strict every day, right? Yeah. I, I'll see I have a short attention span. So I would get bored doing that every day. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It, but but some pod, some people would drop, would mm-hmm. lose their mind doing something different every day. Some people so it's all depend again. I think it goes back to who are you and what makes you the most comfortable. Who you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are so unhappy in this world because they're unaware of what who they are. And what makes them happy you know what i mean yeah. um and so for me i i, I learned quick that because when i watch most interviews you hear them say i wake up at 3 30 um i'm work. i do this and i get a workout in and i'm like okay i ain't doing that but okay you know what i mean i'm like okay yeah everybody's but different everybody's super different bro and i think we all can get to the success the same way just your own way but i but i do realize that i do notice that every person's successful routine they do these three things they have time for meditation at some point in the day, they do some type of workout or some type of active moving. So for me, you know, having a detail shop, I'm always moving. And then I like I love to go hoop still with my homies and stuff like that. So I didn't mention that we hoop a lot too. Uh, and now I might go run or something like that. And um, and I, what's the other thing I noticed a lot of other people do? They wake up super early. They always get a workout in. They have that peaceful time for themselves. And they put in at least 12, 13 hours of work a day. Yeah. It might not be super hard, rigorous work. They might not be working 13 hours straight. But typically, they answering the phone, you know, they're talking to their team, they're doing that stuff throughout the whole day. I noticed that, you know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, everybody's different. For me, I try to knock out the two hardest things for me to do on a consistent basis is read and work out. Mm-hmm. I try to uh-huh. do that first, so the rest of the day, it's easy. It's easy, yeah. It's easy. And, see, and the crazy thing is, bro, I'm not a big reader. Neither am I. I'm forcing I'm it. I'm a big reader, bro. audio book guy. I- Oh my God. I'm a, I'm an audio book guy. Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a podcast audio book. Um, kind of just is like what I'm reading right now. I don't know if you could see it. Uh, what's the Mamba mentality. I'm a diehard Kobe fan and it's oh, like yeah. a very basic, oh, easy read book. And I, I could read about Kobe Bryant all day and night. So I'm I know you're dropping a lot of gems in there, bro. Oh my God. You read it already? I haven't. I haven't, but I just, I just, I'm, I'm sure of it. I'm about halfway through, and it's, it's extremely detailed, and it's really, really cool. So definitely take a, take a look at it. I'm, I'm gonna have to, man. See, and I say I can read it if it's like you said, it's short to the point, good. But like them three, yeah, the words are like this big. Oh yeah, that's yeah. It's good for me. Yeah, when they using big ass <laughs> words, and and it's 300, 400 pages. Even though I'm a writer, I can write all day long, but I can't, I can't sit up and read for two hours a day. I can't do that. I can't yeah. do that, bro. I can't do that. But like sometimes some people can't sit up and listen because they might not retain the information, but I can do that. And, yeah. you know, my, my notebooks are full of notes for me just listening. I can, cause I was in the background, I'm listening. I might be doing my other thing. So, right. Yeah. So. so the last thing I got for you and I saved it for last for a reason I heard you on, and this is the podcast that I heard. It's called The Speaker Secrets. So shout out to The Speaker Secrets. Um, I heard you on a podcast with them and you were, and the question he asked was a really big question, but I really loved your answer and I want to hear it again in whatever way you can repeat. So okay. your advice to the audience was before you die, live. Do you remember that conversation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell me about that. Um, 
I think I think a lot of times, bro, most people are afraid to die, not because of death itself, but because they feel like they haven't done enough to be remembered by. Um, because I, because, like I said, I keep going back to Miles Monroe is my favorite speaker besides Les Brown. Um, he 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 talks about how when you're on your deathbed, and even Les Brown talked about this in his own way. When you're on your deathbed, all of those things that you never did, that I should have did, that I could have did, that I would have did, they come back to haunt you. And it's almost like they come back in the form of monsters while you're laying on there getting ready to transition over. And that is what scares a lot of people. Man, I wish I would have did this. Dang, I wish I would have said this. Dang, I wish I would have let this grudge go. Dang, I wish I would have went here like I said I was going to do for 20 years. Right? We, we All of these things start to consume our mind. And we realize... It's, it's sad that when we get there, that's when we realize that all we kind of did was exist. We never gave our gifts to the world. We never gave that thing that God put on the inside of us to the people that were supposed to have it. Because the true thing I feel like of a legacy is that even when you're gone, even when you leave, you left something that people can remember, remember you by forever. Mm-hmm. That's the definition of legacy to me. Think about it. Kobe's gone. It was tragic. But I guarantee you, from from Arkansas to fucking Czechoslovakia, we gonna we know who Kobe Bryant is. You better believe you it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That that to me is legacy. That to me is that even though I feel like Kobe died a tragic death, he had so much more he was gonna give to the world. I'm not saying he was opposed to die or no crazy shit like that. I hate when people say dumb shit like that. It was meant to happen. I hate that dumb shit. But like, I honestly believe, bro, he did what he was supposed to be doing. His whole life, he lived from day one. Right. And so, yeah, before you leave this earth, man, leave this earth, man, do what's on your heart to do. If you got this dream, dream it, do it. If you, if you say you want to go to this place, figure out how you're going to get there. You got this new idea you're working on, figure that shit out. Because I think sometimes we feel like we have all this time in the world and I, and not to rush anybody because yeah, a lot of us, like me, you 28, I'm 24. We got time where we young, but we don't got fucking forever. Yeah, we don't got forever. Life can be gone like this, and so I try to live in that mindset that it can be gone like this. So I need to be living like this. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I don't believe in let me have it all together before I start. Fuck that. I'm starting because I could be gone tomorrow. Fuck that. I'm starting today. And so I think if more people adopted that mindset, we would die, you know, at old age a lot happier because we would be a lot more pleased knowing I've done all I was supposed to do. Now I can rest. Now is my time to transition over because I've done what I was here to do. I've given my gift to the world, right? And yeah. a lot of people die with so much left in them. And then it, it, it takes for them to be there to realize, damn, I never did it. You know, I let a lot of people down, that type of thing. So that's what that, that's where that analogy came from. Yeah, I love that. Um, well, where can we connect with you, man? Thanks so man, much for being with me. Where can we connect with you? Um, and you can connect with me on any social media platform, bro. Um, Instagram is Will Z Titwell, Will Z E E Titwell T I D W E L L. Um, TikTok is Neighborhood Hero ninety six. Um, Twitter is uh, Speak Up Z, Speak Up Z E E. Um, what else, bro? Facebook Will Z Titwell, same as my Instagram. 
Um, what other platforms? There's so many of these motherfuckers. Uh, yeah. And I think that's it, man. And you can always text me directly. I got a text-free number. It's 501-348-5550. So, yeah, man, any of those social media platforms, DM me, ask your questions, connect, um, anything, collaborate, all of those great things, man. I'm, I'm an open book. I don't, you know, I feel like even when I get to that certain level, which I feel like I will be at some point, I'm never going to be that guy that doesn't DM people back or doesn't talk to people. Um, as long as you're not on no weird shit, but you know, I, I love to connect, man. I love to collaborate. I feel like that's what life is meant to be. So, yeah. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for getting on with me. I'm sure our listeners really appreciated it. And um, until next time, man.